back to the final episode of the season with Jess. We are in the studio and today we're going to be talking about a highly requested topic more from my side, but Jess is going to be interviewing me and guiding the conversation with a little bit of nutrition advice as well, because a lot of the questions were centered around that. And um, yeah, this is obviously our final episode. So hi. Hi. <laughs> Um, okay, cool. So just a bit of a recap. The main reason why I wanted to address my Hashimoto's is one, because I do get a lot of questions about it. But a few weeks ago, I got a DM from someone who felt like I wasn't sharing my entire journey. And I said in response that it's very difficult to share something as intricate as Hashimoto's or any autoimmune disease in one single Instagram post. I try not share too much about it because one, it is a part of me. It is not just me. So I don't make it my full story. But when I do, I do it in a kind of like a point of service. So if someone can gain knowledge from it or not feel alone from it or just get something to make them feel like they can take the next step to getting better, then I'll share about it. So I wanted to recreate this Hashimoto's um, podcast with uh, information that is backed not only by science, um, but with someone who's certified in the room as well on the nutrition side of things. Okay, so quick recap on mine. About two years ago, I was experiencing a multitude of symptoms that I didn't quite understand what was going on. I was first pointed in the direction of looking into it because my period had been missing for nine months or so so to me that didn't seem right um, then with that I started breaking out in adult acne at the age of 27 um, I will be very honest that the main reason I started looking into my journey was because I was full of acne and it sounds superficial but at least it was me looking at one indicator in my body going like hey <laughs> something's not right maybe look into this so I went for blood tests at a hormone specialist and um, I think it's good to start with this because it's the one thing that I get asked the most is where I went for any hormonal um, guidance from a professional. Her name is Alexia and I'm going to leave her details in the show notes. She is on Cluth and she is not only a GP but she is a hormone specialist and I went to her to get blood work done. Um, and it came back that I had Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Um, it was in the blood work. It was in everything that we tested from thyroid antibodies to just um, things that were deficient. So like vitamin B, vitamin D, those sort of things. Um, okay, so that's just the roundup of why we're talking about this, basically. So I'm going to answer a few of questions that I asked ages ago in an Instagram story and I'm only getting to it now so I'm really sorry. Um, so Jace is going to interview me and then we will get to all your questions now. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited to interview you for once. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I've been following you for years and I remember actually when you got diagnosed and I remember the time leading up to you being diagnosed, like where you were really struggling with your skin and I guess like from my perspective watching you I never had any like 
inkling that you had Hashimoto's, did yeah. you ever think like that would come up when you did all those blood tests? Well, I had no idea what that even was. Yeah. Like, and I knew someone who had it and she actually messaged me and said, I had similar symptoms. It could be Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Just prepare yourself for that. Um, so that was like, okay. And then I started doing research, Google back then. Um, and I was like, okay, this does kind of make sense, but I really, really hope it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, obviously when I went in there and she said it, it literally felt like, a bus hit me because I was like I have a autoimmune disease mm. this is the end it's not spoiler alert <laughs> but it felt like it in yeah. the moment okay so maybe like just explain to everyone what Hashimoto's is and like what symptoms yeah. you experienced or what symptoms people would commonly experience yeah okay so Hashima- Hashimoto's <laughs> Hashimoto's is a autoimmune Um, of the thyroid Uh, what that means is that the antibodies within your body are fighting the thyroid the thyroid is this beautiful little butterfly within your throat and it is one of the biggest function or like the biggest organs that help function so many things Um, but mainly your hormones which would then obviously make sense as to why I was experiencing a lack of period hormone acne Um, and uh, many other symptoms which also and not excluding (laughs) um, I had rapid weight gain and weight loss within matters of days it was actually pretty weird and I I think that was very triggering for me coming from a place of not being very kind to my body and the way that I saw food back then Um, so I would wake up one day and my whole body would just be inflamed and I would not fit into anything and it just felt super uncomfortable to be in my own body. Um, The biggest one was actually more towards um, before I started going to a hormone specialist. Um, I had intense brain fog and fatigue. So I think I literally stayed on my couch for like three months at one point. Didn't do much, couldn't do much. Um, It also feeds into if you do have any kind of Um, mental illness so if you have anxiety or depression it just heightens that to like a whole new level Um, and then you're obviously physically looking different so your whole sense of being just feels like it's been flipped upside down so it was acne weight gain um, IBS can be part of it Um, dry eyes dry skin dry hair everything kind of dries up um, which can lead to your eyes feeling like they're almost being pushed out of your skull it's quite a weird feeling um it can also get into like referred pain which is actually one of the questions that I'm going to jump to now just because it it seems like it makes sense um there was a time that I thought I had a tooth infection because my one side of my face was feeling very damaged with nerves and it was like drooping a bit and what that was was actually nerve referral pain from Hashimoto's it all links all 11 systems when one gets thrown out with an autoimmune normally all 11 kind of get thrown around as well um so you can experience referred pain as well as a symptom but I find that that only came later on and when I had huge emotional trauma um I feel like insomnia was also one that popped up more that normally came when I pushed myself too much so again it's always like we'll get into it about managing your lifestyle 
Um, there are so many. There really are so many. But those were the main ones that, yeah, lack of period, acne, bloating, weight gain, fatigue, um, brain fog, anxiety, depression. Um, and also your throat sometimes flares up because of the inflammation within the thyroid, from what I understand. Mm. Um, and that is very subjective to how, like where you are with your Hashimoto's, you could have very, very low iron stores, really, really low my um, vitamins and minerals that haven't been replaced and your antibodies could be at an all-time high. And I think that's when you start getting like, they call it a gloat, a, what's it? Goiter. A goiter, yeah. yeah. So the inflammation of like the... It's basically like your thyroid gland swells. And exactly. you can almost see it, like your neck looks swollen. Yeah. Um, and I found that I only experienced like at the height of it. Yeah. Hmm. So, okay. So basically Hashimoto's is like what I got from that. It's an autoimmune condition that like attacks your thyroid pretty mm-hmm. much. And then that affects everything in your body. Like yeah. all your hormonal systems are kind of out of whack so how do you actually get tested for Hashimoto's like is it just a basic thyroid test or is there more to it than that so I don't know any other way that would make sense but I went to Alexia and we did blood work and we tested for thyroid so all all three mm-hmm. of those hormones that sit within it I think it's t3 t4 and then there's another one so there's yeah like I think if you do a thyroid panel it's tsh which is your yeah. thyroid stimulating hormone T3, T4, and then they often do like a reverse T3. I didn't do that one, okay. yeah. So I just did the three yes. in that, and then the antibodies within the thyroid, mm-hmm. and then based on normal, not normal, because it's not normal, but with something like Hashimoto's thyroiditis, they kind of know what else to test for when it comes mm-hmm. to deficiencies, so they go to those first. And they test that with the thyroid hormones and the antibodies. And the, the numbers that come back obviously indicate you yeah. know, where you're at with it. Yeah. So as far as I understand, like if you just test your thyroid hormones, there's many, there are many reasons that thyroid hormones can be out of whack, right? So mm. if you just tested your thyroid hormones and those were you know, low or abnormal, that wouldn't mean that you have Hashimoto's. You have to have the antibodies to yes. have Hashimoto's. So it's got to be like that autoimmune reaction going on. Yeah. Um, so that's something that I actually always suggest for my patients because a lot of my patients are like, oh, I have hypothyroid, I'm on medication. And then I look back at their blood results and they've never actually had their antibodies tested because not all doctors think no. to do that. Um, and I'm like, maybe you should check your antibodies also, just to that's be a sure. Very, yeah, that's a very important. Because um, I remember actually reading somewhere, and also Alexia said a lot of doctors just kind of miss that. Mm-hmm. Um, they just think it's simple, like hypothyroid, and then they yeah. just put their patients on, on thyroid hormones, right? Mm. And it takes away the symptoms, which is, and then everyone's happy, but mm. then you just don't know that you have Hashimoto's and you don't understand that certain things can flare up, you know? Exactly, yeah. No, that's a very, very good point. Um, so maybe like talking about that, did you get put on medication after you got diagnosed and what medication and what are you on now? Cool. So um, initially she was like, we need to get you on a thyroid medication. And that to me already felt really scary because I had just been kind of diagnosed and now I have to be put onto a thyroid medication. So I said to her, 
was like, I know this isn't the way that it's meant to go. And I'm also not promoting this way of being because I don't demonize medication in any way. If you are at a certain point in your um, your journey with Hashimoto's or you get your results back and they're completely different to mine, your process will be different. So like, don't take how I did it as like Bible. But um, I asked her for three months to try do it by myself with the supplementation that she said. So like mm-hmm. the supplementing of vitamin D, vitamin B, um, enzymes for my digestive system, um, iron to get my iron back up, um, everything that was deficient. I said, can I just focus on this right now? Because doing this and thyroid medication is freaking me out. Okay. And I just don't feel like I want to do that right now. She was like, okay, but then we have to do blood tests again. And then we have to see where you're at. And if it's gotten worse, there is no other option. And um, then we went, I went back and they were a little bit better. So she's like, okay, well, I'm going to give you three more months. But then I, she's like, I've done some more research. And um, where you're at with how low and or how high, however you want to think about it, um, where it is, we could potentially go on a low dose of naltrexone. I think it's called that. Yeah. Um, it's basically an opioid that's okay. given at a micro level at night so that it builds your immune system to help people who have things like Hashimoto's. And there's a lot of new studies, but obviously there's no long-term studies. So that's what put me off a bit. I was like, I understand that this is like super nuanced and that this, um, you know, is showing good results maybe in the last like five years or something, but there isn't this long amount of research. And I don't know if I want to be a guinea pig to that, to be Mm -hmm. like, I just didn't know. And I was Mm -hmm. just very skeptical because I was feeling a bit scared about it all. So I was like, okay, well, if you could just give me another three months, then yeah, I would be super grateful. She was like, no, you're at a place now where it is an option. So I did it for another three months, but on top of that, I also changed my lifestyle 180. So I was living a very high-paced life. I was working 18 hours a day. I was just doing so much because I felt like that's kind of what who I was. I think I identified a lot with being busy. Um, so I changed that. And went for the last time that I went for blood results. And she was like, I don't quite know what you've done, but it's worked for you. And you've obviously chosen to take the long game, but everything is back to normal. All of your um, your like iron stores, your nutrients, your antibodies are all at a like manageable point now. Mm-hmm. So I, she's like, I don't know what you did, but it worked for you. So continue doing that, but we have to do blood results and um, blood work in another year. Mm-hmm. So she's like, post Rona. We have to do it again just to check in where you are. Um, mainly because my Hashimoto's is triggered by emotional stress and not necessarily food or exercise mm-hmm. or anything like that. And that's why when I was working myself to the ground, it was getting triggered all the time because I was emotionally putting like all the stress on myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I think it's just, it's good to know for people out there that there are options like depending on where your Hashimoto's is and how severe mm. it is when you get diagnosed that there it could be possible to try like a more lifestyle approach with supplements and stress reduction and things like that 
before going straight on to medication if you feel like uncomfortable going on to mm. medication you know um but it's yeah. also not limiting to the fact that I might have to potentially go on medication yes. one day and that's what I said to her I was like I'm so open to but the fact that I'm in my 20s and I'm already like taking all these supplements at that point now at the moment I only take Bacostol which is given mm-hmm. by her and that basically puts all of the supplements I was taking into one plus an additional few four people who struggle with hormone imbalance I can't remember what they're called stuff and I something it's like a separate word I don't know I don't want to just say it but anyway um, so I take that and I take magnesium um, for my digestion it helps me but I try not take it all the time just because actually funny enough I was getting heart palpitations one night and I thought it was anxiety and it was actually me taking too much magnesium for me so once I took that down I actually don't have those anymore um so if you want to listen to what that's about our supplement podcast breaks that all down um so now yeah I just have a much slower life I take Bacostol magnesium and yeah yeah. supplement wise that's where I'm at Yeah, I guess like some people wouldn't have the luxury of changing their whole lifestyle Exactly. Like, if you have a very high pressure job and you can't quit your job you mm. can't be self employed then sometimes all you can do is take medication yeah. and that's completely warranted and that's the, why it's there yeah and thyroid medication at the end of the day what it is is it's just thyroid hormone so it's just replacing your body's thyroid hormone that it's not producing enough of Mm -hmm. so it just helps to i guess get your symptoms under control exactly um there was one thing i wanted to say now my brain has just switched off (laughs) anyway okay let's carry on um so what i wanted to know is when you got to that point where like you went back to the doctor and she tested all your levels again and everything was kind of like normal yeah did you feel the difference? Like, were your symptoms then under control? Yeah, I mean, I was getting my period again, which was amazing for me. I now, I still love, hate getting my period. Um, Don't we all? <laughs> well, you're good now. Yeah. Actually, we haven't even announced that Jess is pregnant, um, yeah. but she couldn't tell me on the last one. <laughs> and it's so sad because we did a whole episode on, like, fertility and we couldn't talk about it in any way. I didn't even know. Um, anyway, so getting my period... And energy-wise, like, I think this is also the misconception with being in remission with any autoimmune, um, is that you just don't experience anything at all. I think it's more just the frequency and the intensity of it. Mm. So, like, two days ago, I, in my personal life, I'm dealing with emotional stress. And I got a lot of work influx at the same time. And I had a massive flare-up. And it just shows that you can still be in the stats, like in remission. But if you push yourself, your body will let you know. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I still do experience some flare-ups. But they're very much connected to how much I'm pushing my personal boundaries with work and life and all of those things. And sometimes you're also out of control of like what comes your way Mm -hmm. so yeah but I kind of you know sometimes I think these things are it's kind of cute how your body lets you know what's like too much for it you know it's like no 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 yeah (laughs) because I think we all have that 
or like let's say people who are very like a type and push themselves a lot they will not have like a register of what's too much and then their physical body has to give them that register mm. so either they like get injured doing like too much exercise or they start getting sick all the time like they just start getting um flus and colds mm. and things like that like their immune system gets run down or for some women they start getting their periods or um, for some people it's IBS and then for some people it's like if you have an underlying autoimmune thing that's going to flare every yeah. time you push yourself too hard exactly okay so I guess like talking about flare-ups so you said like I think at the point you went to that doctor for your follow-up then was it declared that you're in remission well she just said everything is normalized okay and like I said I just I believe that remission is that like normalized but it's it's very like subjective to each person and also to what you know you might be presented with that might cause it to flare yeah. up again but so it doesn't remission isn't forever no yeah and you can't heal or fix or anything it um it it just becomes a part of you but it is not you and that's also why i try not to talk about it too much because i felt like when i was identifying with it so much i was experiencing it more mm -hmm. because it was in my foresight like I was looking at it and talking about it all the time um but when I was like okay well you know what some days I just can't do much yeah that's fine um yeah so I mean in your mind like do you still have flare-ups and how often does that really happen um or do you feel like it's all on like a sliding scale and it just goes from like Sometimes it's at like a three and sometimes it's at like a seven. <laughs> no, some days I feel like totally normal. Yeah. And for quite long experience, like extended times. And I also find that as soon as I leave Cape Town, literally as soon as I pass Cape Town, I get better. So I don't know. It's obviously very emotionally driven yes. being here. And I think my goal would be to live outside on a farm to not experience as many symptoms <laughs> but i would say it's i'd say like once a month if that mm -hmm. i get something like a day where i'm just like wow okay no but at the moment i'm going through a lot of family stuff so that is causing me to feel constantly heightened in like my anxiety um which also affects any kind of autoimmune mm -hmm. because your mental health is a huge governor for, you know, your physical self as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, not not a lot. Not a lot anymore. When it was your everyday 24-7 yeah. and you maybe get like one or two flare-ups a month, it doesn't feel like much. you kind of like, I'll take it off today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I think one of your viewers asked this question, but viewers, <laughs> followers, um, how do you decrease thyroid antibodies? Um, I think, was that not connected to a plant-based diet? Or was it just that? It was just that. Okay. No, no, no. That was the digestion mm. question. Sorry. Digestion question. What a <laughs> tongue twister. Um, how do we decrease thyroid antibodies? Again, that's very subjective to the individual. I think either you go on medication or you do what I did and explained in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And like you very well, like there was a very good point it also depends on like what you are actually like what's accessible to you if you can't leave your job that is high stress and demanding of your time thyroid medication would be the better option 
Um, but if you can go the more integrated route, when I say that, I mean kind of the medication I'm taking plus lifestyle changes, that's also a great option, but yeah. very much an individual um, sort of thing. Yeah. I also wanted to mention, because, you know, I work a lot with patients that have Hashimoto's and I think Hashimoto's is different for everyone. And it's also mm-hmm. like more or less severe for some people. Yeah. So for some people, like their antibodies, even though they're on medication, and they're doing all the right things. They won't necessarily go into the normal range. Like they'll never go into remission. Um, and I think it's just important to realize that it's not always in your control. Like you can't control your antibody levels. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people have, I guess, like a more heightened autoimmune response when they have exactly. Hashimoto's. And for them, it's a relative thing. So it's not about like getting your antibody levels normal. It's just about getting them down so that your symptoms are like more controlled. And that you can experience life at a somewhat pleasant level. Yeah. And that's why I will never demonize medication because there is a place for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So this is like, I think it's a very common thing that's coming up at the moment on social media is breast implant illness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when you, I guess like when you got diagnosed, you were also questioning like, was it your implants that had caused like this autoimmune thing? And yeah, what do you think? Like, do you think it was your implants? Have you decided to take them out? What's happening with all that? <laughs> so when I first got the influx of information around breast plant il- illness, and I watched so many vlogs and stuff that would make anyone, I guess it would be like natural birth videos to you, <laughs> is what it would feel like to me. <laughs> I like natural birth videos. <laughs> I didn't like these I don't ones. like watching C-sections. Like, for me, that's like, oh my gosh, okay. kill me now. <laughs> that's what it's like. And it's very triggering yeah. because it's playing on fear. And you're already, you know, full of fear. You've got an autoimmune, you know. So having all these fear-based kind of information sent to you, even though it came from a good place, it definitely made me question whether I had made a really, really detrimental choice towards my body and to my health by getting... Uh, breast augmentation so I went to two specialists one who did my boobs and then for a second opinion both top plastic surgeons in um, Cape Town we also are renowned for having like the best plastic surgeons in the world so I mean I'm not going to like a dodgy back door situation and they both examined me and they're like they're in perfect condition they are fine um we highly suggest that you really think about this. And that's coming from people who could easily take your money. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But they were very kind. And they're like, we really, we want you to think about this because yes, there are many articles going around that this is the cause and all of that. However, if you are dealing with something that is triggered by stress, by going into surgery, putting your body under that amount of stress once again, and then also having anesthetic, mm-hmm. it's probably going to do worse for you if it's not your boobs. Mm-hmm. You're going you're gonna to come out worse. And I was like, oh my gosh, great. Now another hard choice to make. Now I don't know. And I sat with it for a very long time. Um, and I came to the decision that for me, I didn't feel like it was. Um, I had them for a very long time. And there was no other symptoms that were kind of leading towards any... Um, kind of like 
irritation around them. Like I didn't have any inflammation around them. There was no pain. There was no discomfort. Um, there were also, I think what happens is that when looking for something, you when you look for something, you look for it to reassure what you believe. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's the facts. Yeah. And that can be a very tricky place for someone who's just grabbing at anything to get an answer, yeah. which is what I did for a very long time. And um, when I let go of the idea that it could be them, I just, I don't know, at this point, I'm like, I'm just so thankful that I didn't take them up because I love them. And I don't think enough women are like, I think there's, even though they get it to be like, oh, I feel more confident. Yeah. Sometimes it can do the complete opposite and people actually get a little insecure that they have them, especially yeah. when stuff like this goes around and then it gets demonized to some degree. Yeah. And I, I love mine and I didn't want to part with them and they make me so confident and happy and the fact that I could just change other things and go on a little bit of like hormone support with Costol and I feel much better. I'm really glad that I didn't take them up now. I mean, I know that it can be over a period of time that you need to go and have them looked at and scan to see that they're doing good. And I think there is a year that you get to where they do recommend that you replace them. Mm-hmm. But until then, like maybe I get to that point and I'm like, actually, I'm done with them. And instead of replacing them, I just take them out. But for now, I'm happy with them and I love them. So, yeah, I I can't tell anyone whether they caused it or not. But I am at a healthy level with all my levels. I still have them and I love them. Yeah. And that's my my facts. Yeah. I mean, in my mind, I think the fact that, like, you well, firstly, you have a diagnosis that explains your symptoms. It's not, it wasn't, like, these mystery symptoms that mm. a lot of people have with breast implant illness. It's like, okay, it was very clear it was Hashimoto's that was causing those symptoms. And that just without taking your implants out, you still got those symptoms under control and you got your antibodies, mm. like, back to normal. It just shows to me that it wasn't the implants yeah. that was causing that um, like I think if the implants were somehow like poisoning your system in some way those small lifestyle changes wouldn't have helped oh hell no yeah. no those and also like that is also a very real thing if you are experiencing like your breast implant leaking or anything go get that checked out and if they need to come out they need to come out don't mm-hmm. go and change your lifestyle and think they'll be fine you know it's relative to each person's situation yeah um okay so i guess like you mentioned that one of the first symptoms for you was that you just didn't get your period for like nine months and i guess how did Hashimoto's affect your menstrual cycle and where is it at now and do you have a regular cycle now so because it affects the thyroid i feel like in my mind, it's obvious that it would affect the menstrual cycle. Yeah. So it is a very common symptom. Um, so yes, it did, to answer. And how I lost it. Um, is it back to normal? Again, subjective to emotional stress. So if I'm going through a really gnarly month, I don't get it. But my friends who don't have Hashimoto's, that also happens mm-hmm. to them. So I don't even know if one could even tie it to the autoimmune, but I definitely think it has an impact because everything's a bit of a domino effect in the body. Um, so if I have a really intense month or I overtrain or I undereat, which again happens to most women, then I don't get it that month. But yeah. as you said, a cute little reminder from your body to be like, hey, 
you know, doing something that's best for you, that's maybe eat some more, do a little less, mm-hmm. relax a little more. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and in terms of energy, like I know your energy crashed a lot when you first mm. got diagnosed. How has your energy been now? Like, do you feel like you have less capacity to like just do a lot of things than most people? I do. And I think it's also just normalizing that. So for me, I get really tired by three, Mm -hmm. but a lot of people get really tired by five. So I'm like a two hour mark. I'm not going to make like, but also you're up really early. Yeah. I'm up at like five, six every day. So it's just like, my normal is just a bit different now and it's just being okay with that I think Mm -hmm. so when I do have those days uh, I also communicate which is a huge thing so I will say to people I'm working with I'm internally dealing with a lot right now can I get to this tomorrow is it urgent or can it or I'll say to Luke my love I'm flaring up I'm so exhausted I cannot get off the couch do you mind if we get takeaways you walk the dogs and we just have a chilled night. So it's just like communicating it. It's yeah. not making it bigger than what it is. Yeah. I also like, I really believe that modern day humans work so much harder than what is biologically like mm. programmed into us. Like I really just don't think our minds and our bodies are supposed to have like 12 hour working days. Like we're just not evolved for that really. Mm. And I think most people live their lives being chronically exhausted but they're just so used to it and they just like mentally keep pushing themselves and unless your body you know puts a stop to it and says like no this is too much you'll almost like just never know and you'll just keep pushing yourself so I also think you can't really compare yourself to like the average person who lives this like high-paced western lifestyle and think like oh well I'm less functional than them because so important they are probably also pushing beyond their capacity but they just don't have anything holding them back or telling them that they're pushing too hard yet yet yeah (laughs) for sure because I promise you whether it's an autoimmune or it's a personal reason or it's a pandemic life will force you to stop at some point Or even just a mental health reason. Like yeah. at some point, you're going to have to slow down. Or pregnancy. <laughs> yeah, like, that's gonna. That's definitely going to teach you one or two things about patients. Yeah. <laughs> Being slower. For sure. Okay, so, um, you know, like, I guess from my point of view, there's so much misinformation out there about Hashimoto's and autoimmune conditions and all these, like, very in my opinion restrictive diets that people follow in Mm. order to somehow cure their autoimmune diseases and there's like the AIP which is like the autoimmune protocol and there's like medical mediums protocols and all those sorts of things I roll sorry (laughs) so basically um what like did you dabble in any of that and like then you know where you at now with your diet and what dietary changes did you make and what did you find actually worked for you yeah big topic Mm -hmm. and I think what I'd love to just highlight is that I find it so fascinating that diet is one of the first things that people go to when it comes to a disease Mm -hmm. and yes it's hugely impactful but so is your mental health so is your Mm -hmm. sleep so is moving so is going to get like a doctor's help yeah but for some reason they're like but that's just not eat gluten (laughs) and then we'll be fine Sorry, that's not to be rude, yeah, but it's, it's not, just... It's not that simple, it's basically. Yeah. Like, this is what both of us get exposed to from me getting questions in my DMs to you having clients come to you. Like, yeah. 
it's just something that I've picked up. Yeah. So yes, I did dabble in everything because like anyone who goes through something like this, you just want to be able to fix it. And diet is the most accessible thing to someone who doesn't go to a doctor yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I did medical medium. I wouldn't suggest it only because of the restrictiveness around it. And he's not qualified. Let's just like talk about that. He's not qualified. Yeah. And I understand. And there's no research. There's literally zero yeah. evidence for any of the claims he makes. Yeah. So even if he, let's say he wasn't qualified, but he was actually making claims that had some scientific backing. And referenced it yes. for people to like go look into. Then cool, like we could discuss that, but mm. there's just... There's just nothing. He just says that spirits tell him this mm. stuff. So, And I don't want to yeah. also like discredit those who are like more towards the spiritual side of healing. And there's, there's so much room and space for that. But when you are making money and you aren't giving people so, like proof, really, I guess, mm-hmm. to some degree. And you are talking about huge things like cancer and Hashimoto's. It's good to question, like question it and always get like, cool, take bits that make you feel good and all of that, but like go to a credible source always as well. So yeah. I did um, his, it was just way too restrictive and my digestive system just went to poo. Yeah. Well, no, not to poo because <laughs> it just got, just got constipated. Um, then I tried like the Ayurvedic way and... I can understand how that is more appealing just because it's full of like beautiful, wholesome ingredients. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like right now, my biggest thing is that there are just certain things that my stomach can't deal with in mass amounts. So it's not about a certain food for me. It's about the dosages and the poison. I think you said yeah. that in one of the podcasts we did. And that's kind of how I see food now. I'm like, I eat everything. But if I, like two days ago, eat a whole packet of cauliflower spaghetti with a pre-packaged soup that's full of onion and garlic and all these things that kind of irritate my gut, I probably won't go to the bathroom the next day. Yeah. And then that can cause flare-ups for me, actually, because my body is not able to let go of things that it doesn't need. Mm-hmm. And it just makes me feel very sluggish, very tired very sore and it can be very triggering to someone who maybe has a bad relationship with food or a bad relationship with where they are at with their autoimmune because it just feels like a lot of discomfort which is a feeling you feel a lot when you you have an autoimmune yeah so for me obviously a plant-based diet was great but I found the introduction of eggs um, and a bit of fish every now and then has worked amazing for me um, I feel my energy is great, my skin and hair is not so dry, mm-hmm. um, and that's just because that's my personal preference. Mm-hmm. Like, if you are someone who's also ethically drawn to um, being plant-based, there are supplements for the things that you would get in those animal products. Yeah. I think also, sure, there's like so much I want to say about the diet <laughs> side of this. Well, go, but... go. I mean, like, I feel like you're also more... <laughs> Um, well versed and knowledge than that like mine was just I did this did that didn't like it this is where I'm at yeah like so my first thought is 
you know, like you, when you got diagnosed, you had a whole lot of nutrient deficiencies also. So, and I would think that's pretty common in people with this diagnosis too. Um, so for, for people who get diagnosed and they have all these nutrient deficiencies and then they go and just follow some extreme like restrictive diet, they're basically going to make their deficiencies worse. Yes. And then they're going to actually make their Hashimoto's worse. So you really need to eat like a well-balanced, nutritious diet in order for your Hashimoto's to get better. Like it doesn't make sense to me to eat an overly restrictive diet and cut out 100 food groups. Even something as simple as cutting out gluten can actually cut out certain nutrients, you know, because if you stop eating most of your grains, then you can cut out a lot of your B vitamins and Mm -hmm. you can get like folate deficiencies and B vitamin deficiencies and things like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was my first thought when you spoke about, yeah, the medical mediums protocol, which I think is quite quite a restrictive diet yeah, it's very restrictive. in terms of like the nutrients oil. yeah what the um, hell? <laughs> i love all of it it's basically i guess like a very raw vegan style mm-hmm. diet um that can make it worse and from a mental health perspective just you know we've spoken about how much mental health and stress has impacted and does impact autoimmune conditions if you are following a restrictive diet that's making you more stressed and like draining you from a mental health perspective just because you're stressing about everything you eat and you're like monitoring everything you eat and if you eat something wrong you feel like you know you've ruined your health then it's actually going to make it worse (laughs) exactly like perfectly said (laughs) so yeah i mean okay so basically what you did is you just followed a diet that worked for you exactly which is like i guess it sounds to me like a more like plant orientated diet with a bit of animal protein that works well for your digestion and your skin and your hair and stuff like that the only thing sorry with regards to having a lot less of and this is just something that my hormone specialist kind of just highlighted she didn't say don't cut it out she's like just be aware that most tin foods have a lot of hormone disruptors in it so if you're going to have that in excess which we also spoke about in one of the podcasts about i think it was how to have a balanced vegan Mm -hmm. diet just kind of choosing when to not be so hard on yourself and when to try and make a different supplement or to supplement differently in like meal prep or like the foods that you eat so if I'm someone who doesn't eat a lot of beans or um, tinned food and I have a tinned thing in a curry every now and then fine but if you're someone who only eats plants and beans and legumes and all these things are a huge part of your diet then you might have to look at like soaking them and prepping them just because of the hormone disruptors with intern food. So that's the only thing she mentioned. Otherwise she was like, do you like whatever, eat your awesome. eat what makes you happy. <laughs> um, yeah. And I just wanted to mention also, cause this is something I hear a lot from my patients is they'll be like, like things like, let's say with medical mediums protocol, they'll be like, well, I mean, celery juice can't do harm, right? It's just celery. Like, why not try it? Like, that's mm-hmm. always people's, like, logical thing. is like, let's just try it and see if it helps. And I kind of agree with that with most things. But something like celery juice actually can be really hard on the digestive system. 
um, as I'm sure you experienced. It was gnarly, yeah. Yeah, because it's mm-hmm. super high in FODMAPs. So it is way over like any normal FODMAP dosage in any food um, because you're eating a whole bunch of celery, not just like a stick of celery. So if you have IBS and you have celery juice, it is going to make you worse. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just this harmless thing like, oh, it's just eating a vegetable. How can it do any harm? It's like, no, it's a very... It's one vegetable and you're eating a large amount of it and in a concentrated form every single day on an empty stomach. That can do harm. Yeah. Um, and what can also do harm, and that's something like everyone in the health professions worries about with, let's say, like alternative approaches to healing, is that it can make you neglect real things that you have to be doing to help yourself. So you can, for example, cancer, like some people would neglect going to an oncologist or you know going through cancer treatment because they believe that a dietary approach like some crazy protocol is going to help them to cure their cancer and because of that while they're doing that their cancer is maybe spreading and growing and they then actually have increased risk of not getting better um so that's what's always dangerous about these things is like just that some people believe that it replaces medical care and it doesn't so I'm always like if people want to experiment with their diet a bit um, as long as they're doing it in a responsible way and they're only adding yeah healthy things into their diet I'm happy with that but don't neglect the I guess the prescribed medical treatments and the medical treatments that have actually been proven to work for your condition no 100% and I think that's why um, the hormone specialist that I went to I appreciated her so much because of her integrated approach she didn't say no like having these different changes in your lifestyle won't help you only have to have medication but she also was like if it gets to this point we have to continue doing more blood work than normal but if it gets to a point there is no other option because of the effects it would have on everything if it gets out of control Mm -hmm. so having that really open conversation with her is why I think I felt kind of inclined to speak her praise so much as what I have because um, she, she's good. Yeah. So, yeah, again, just always get professional guidance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I guess like the, the diet that you like settled on now, which is like a more plant-based diet with some eggs and fish and stuff like that, mm-hmm. how do you find that is for your digestion? Like does it help to manage your IBS symptoms? Definitely. Um, but again the poison is in the dosage like I said the other day I had a beautiful plant-based dinner but it completely messed me up um, because it wasn't very balanced it was just everything that would irritate my stomach and I just personally have a more sensitive stomach to like onions and garlic lentils cauliflower which is literally what the whole dish was made out of now in hindsight I'm like that was so dumb for me and if I have fish and a salad then I'll it's like the best thing for my stomach. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, now how I'm eating with no restrictions, that's working best for me. And I still have like refined sugar and I still love my Kit Kat. Do not take my Kit Kat away from me. I have coffee every day, probably more than I should. And that's more for sleep than Hashimoto's. Um, and you still have gluten? I still have gluten. Um, but I do love plants and I, I find them exciting to eat. Yeah. So... If I had to just eat a fish and an egg every day, I'd be very sad. 
Um, but having like majority plants in my in my meals just make me more excited. Yeah. So it's just yeah, that's all works for me. Yeah, I think also like when it comes to digestion, these things are so individual. So mm. I would just say to people out there, like, don't go and like copy your diet just because it exactly. worked for you because you also have experimented so much over the years with what works for your digestion and you know what your triggers are in terms of IBS and you know how to do a plant-based diet in a way that works for you Mm. um whereas other people might go plant-based and eat all the onions and garlic and beans and be fine (laughs) and be fine fine. or not be fine you know it's it's just so individual so it's Mm. not like specifically I think a plant-based diet that helped your digestion it's just the balance that you found Mm. for you as an individual and like we spoke in one of the other podcasts i feel like everyone just needs to go from the beginning and come (laughs) back here because this seems to round up everything is that um oh my gosh you see this is one thing that happens like brain frog like instantly i was gonna say something and now it's just gone what was the question plant-based you're asking the wrong person because i have pregnancy brain at the moment i feel like i have pregnancy (laughs) brain i don't even have a bean in me um, flip the null. Yeah, I was saying that you it's individual to you and like you found a plant-based diet that balances your digestion nicely and you know what works for you. And then I was gonna say something profound and then I lost it. So let's just carry okay. it. Maybe it'll come back to me. <laughs> um yeah, so this is like a big thing also, I think a big trend at the moment is that people are talking about like toxic beauty products and mm-hmm. toxic household products and um yeah everyone's trying to go more natural in or chemical free or non-toxic in their beauty and their household products so did you do that when you got diagnosed and did you like Mm -hmm. do you believe it makes any difference so I did like like anyone I did everything because and I think maybe that's even the problem is not the problem but like why maybe things don't work is when you just do everything mm-hmm. you know you don't allow yourself to actually understand why you're doing it or anything so with the um let's start with beauty products so i did that and my skin just got way worse mm-hmm. i'm just gonna be honest mm-hmm. so i went to a actual skin therapist again someone who's qualified and i now use neostrata and it's amazing mm-hmm. and it's given me so much confidence so it's a medical grade face care um and i actually don't wear makeup really anymore so i wear a tinted um sunscreen mm-hmm. as like my base that's one thing it actually made me just not wear makeup anymore because yeah. when i realized how beautiful skin is yeah it's like why do i want to cover this up like i feel so much younger actually without makeup mm-hmm. um so i don't really i wear like mascara and my tinted sunscreen now so that was a positive change i guess um but i didn't see any difference in like I don't have evidence to say that it was any different. Um, with the cleaning products at home, I've, I've read so much stuff that says that apparently it does, but I don't have the budget for that. Yeah. It's flipping expensive. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it's not on like certain products, like some products are like so much yeah. cheaper and then others you're like, what the? Um, but also just accessibility. Like it's a privilege to be able to go into like a super like, how do you say like natural store and buy everything natural and like mm-hmm. have it at your disposal all the time like sometimes you're running late to get home and you know you don't have dishwashing liquid so you stop off at spa yeah. you know like and not every spa caters like seaborn yeah. spa <laughs> which is ridiculous yeah um 
So yeah, I mean, I, I use everything that I kind of used beforehand. Mm-hmm. And the only difference out of the two is that I now actually don't really wear makeup anymore. But the makeup that I do use is not like, it's just cruelty free. It's not mm-hmm. like, like chem- I don't even know if you, I mean, you do get chemical free makeup, but like. To some degree, oh. it needs to be kept and yes. preserved, and it's not a food, so you can't yeah. do it with lemon. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah. I I don't know. I yeah. I'm I'm not in the space to know any better, but I, I think if it gives you peace of mind, mm. it can't do you harm in that aspect. But I also don't know how well the cleaning products that are natural work. Like I don't have that evidence. Yes. Um. I don't. I don't feel like I can say too much on that either. I mean, I use natural cleaning products. Honestly, they don't always work as well as, like, the chemical stuff, you know. But um, I had the same experience with you in terms of, like, trying to go non-toxic in all my beauty products. And my skin was not happy. It was just dry. It was not Mm. nourished well. And I tried so many brands. I was, like, on that journey for two or three years. As well, yeah. Um, And eventually I was like, no, I need the scientifically proven, Mm. the scientifically formulated stuff that actually works. Um, And yeah, maybe it has a little bit more like chemical load in it or whatever, but there's really no proof to show that um, those, like basically in terms of skin products, they're very well regulated in terms of how much of each, you know, chemical they can put into products. And usually you would have to have a huge overload of those chemicals to have like any negative side effects um like something like you know four times your body weight (laughs) so it's just not like possible um as far as like the evidence that i've read and what i understand from it is that it's actually not dangerous or toxic to people um there's a great dermatologist on instagram that i follow um and she always goes through the evidence on like toxic versus non-toxic. What's her handle? It's Anya. I don't know how to pronounce it, but like Anya. Wait, I'll find her. <laughs> um, I just feel like that could be useful to maybe someone who yeah. is in that space now of like not really so sure. So she's Anjali Mato. It's like an Indian name. And she is awesome. She does such amazing reviews of the evidence um on all things to do with skincare amazing and yeah spf and all that kind of stuff and i think it's important that we don't just like give into like fear-mongering on social media like it's very easy to hear people talking about non-toxic beauty and how like scary all these chemicals are but if you actually look at the evidence and you actually look at how most of these dermatologically approved products are being tested for all those ingredients and are sticking to certain guidelines for safety it's sometimes even safer to use those products than it is to go and use like some random homemade product that has never been tested you know Um, i've actually had allergic reactions to homemade products that have like completely natural ingredients in them but they're not dermatologically tested what happened? I got like hives. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. Um, All right. They yeah, it was actually noted. a shampoo. So it was kind of like okay on my scalp. But then when the shampoo ran down yeah. my back, I got hives all over my back. Um, That's I, crazy. Yeah. If I like washed it off, it like settled down and I had to put like some antihistamine cream on it and stuff. But wow. yeah. And it was just like a lavender natural shampoo type of thing okay so <laughs> if you're experiencing that that's something to check out yeah i think 
Um, but yeah, I think that's all for me um, on that on that side of things. Um, okay, and in terms of like this is something that I think a lot of people experience with any thyroid dysfunction is weight changes, and you mm. mentioned that your weight like fluctuated a lot. So yeah, did you experience any like drastic weight changes, and then what happened after that? So like I said, it fluctuated, and I now in hindsight I can see that it was very much related to water retention mm-hmm. um not having gone to the bathroom in a long time um it would go on to the point where sometimes i wouldn't have gone to the bathroom for three or four days so that amount of food sitting in you mm-hmm. plus water retention from the stress on your body emotional physical you know you will experience a bit of weight fluctuation what i did find is that i started holding on to water weight in very strange places like the, my back here, the back of my arms, and then obviously my face, but that was more inflammation than mm. weight now that I know. Um, but I do know that a lot of women do experience difficulty within the weight sphere. Mm. And I think it's it's not just that, oh my goodness, my thyroid is now making me put on weight in such a huge like amount. I think there's so many other factors like your energy expenditure is going to be less when you have an autoimmune because you're physically unable to mm-hmm. do much. You are the, you're more inclined to lean towards, or at least I was, to emotionally eat a bit. So therefore, you're taking in more energy, you're expending less, you're not sleeping as much, you're not going to the bathroom as much. Your whole lifestyle is taking a shift. And the lifestyle itself plus the hormone imbalance together I think are the reason why the weight fluctuation at least to my understanding why it becomes so drastic Mm -hmm. and so temperamental like going up and down Mm -hmm. and all of that um it's very difficult to also take that information and be like okay like I am actually not moving that much I am eating more than I used to for me personally it is a difficult thing to accept and to kind of take accountability for some because you're already dealing with enough you don't need to be like oh well it's my fault mm-hmm. it's not your fault it's your body's way of surviving i believe yes. to put on that weight to protect it to look after it yeah. um also because i find there's so many links towards like emotional turmoil and autoimmune diseases and it just for me it like links up quite a bit but i've never experienced like putting on like 10 to 15 kgs mm-hmm. more you know so i can't speak for women who are now in those bigger bodies and the discomfort and the trauma that maybe they went through or are going through and I feel like I can't really speak on that but from my experience it was I was eating more moving less sleeping less going to the bathroom less and I had a hormone imbalance on top of that so I feel like together yeah I put on weight like in a few days I would be like five kgs heavier and then when I had addressed those lifestyle um, changes that needed to be made or maybe not eat certain things that were causing my um, constipation then I would go back to somewhat of my Mm -hmm. normal weight but I also stopped weighing myself Mm -hmm. because that was also in itself just a lot to constantly be like being hard on myself and mean to myself about I was like girl you got an autoimmune disease you're going through enough like put the scale away for now yeah um, it's not the foremost your health and your well-being is the foremost like priority right now I agree yeah and also again the stress that comes with stressing about your weight is going to make the autoimmune condition worse which is going to make the weight go up more exactly so. and if 
I can sometimes, I can admit now, like I used to lean very much to food to fill that comfort and that like numbing, I guess, of that emotion that I didn't want to feel. So again, like your mental health also plays a role. It's, it's so interchanged. But mm-hmm. um, I would say if you can focus on going to see someone who can give you the right medication if needed or at least help you with the lifestyle changes that you might need or go to a dietitian who can help you with like the right kind of eating if that's the approach you want to start with first start there and put the scale away until you start feeling better Mm -hmm. and when you start feeling better and you want to use it as like a measure to see if your body is coming to some kind of homeostasis if you are triggered by it ask the professional that you're with to weigh you and if it's of concern they can address it but if it's not just be like you're good and marry Mm -hmm. on your way Mm -hmm. that's what I would advise and in terms of like exercise, so obviously, like you said, like your energy expenditure was less. Mm. How did you manage like doing less exercise? Well, it was a mind flip for me because it was my profession. Mm-hmm. So I kind of lost being a PT for a while because I physically couldn't do it. And all I did was yoga and walk for about a year. That's all I did. And every now and then I would try and do something and then I just felt like I'd been hit over by a bus the next day Mm -hmm. so I was like okay this is my normal for now and then I'd say after two years of slowly so for one full year I was like that's it I'm giving my body a break stopped doing PT only walked and did yoga the next year I was like okay let me try training myself before other people for the next year I slowly did like body weight exercises a little bit of slow strength training a little bit more intense yoga like vinyasa rather than just hatha mm-hmm. and then I was like okay I, I feel like I can manage this and once I understood like my limitations of my own practice and training then I was like I can take on two clients this year mm-hmm. so I did it very very slowly um, and now I feel like I'm at a really good place with understanding what I can physically expend in the day um, like if I run in the day that day I'm probably going to do very little because running is a huge stress on my body so when I train to do that 10k the big runs for me which was like 8 to 10ks in that range I would do it on a Saturday when I knew I was going to do nothing else but probably eat anyway Mm -hmm. so you kind of just understand like your way of moving through it I also think it's so important to slow down on it, like to listen to your body and mm-hmm. be like, oh, exercise is too much for me right now. And to just do what you did and do like gentle walking and, yeah. and yoga and things like that. Because so many people would be like, oh, but I'm gaining weight. So let me just push myself to keep exercising. What was interesting was when I did push myself, when I, I honestly yeah. went through that same thought when I push myself, my body flared up more and mm. I, my whole body would get inflamed and I would look and feel bigger. Yeah. So I was like, what is the point? Like, not that that should, the weight, your weight, I don't think should ever equal health or be the goal or the main focus, but it is a part of our society. It is something that we experience and every woman thinks about men. I think they're more like, I could be there, but I just don't feel like mm-hmm. it. You know, like it's very... Well, they're not valued based on their weight. Exactly. Unfortunately for us, we are like, not that we, it is our true value, but we just like conditioned to believe that our value is based on our weight. Exactly. And or not. Um, and I just, yeah, I, I felt, I felt better when I slowed down. And I think yeah. that's just, keep that in your mind. Do something. If you feel better, note it. Yeah. I mean, it's your body giving you signals if Mm. you feel better. And if you feel worse, even though you think 
you need to push yourself and that's going to help you lose weight. It's not. If you're making your Hashimoto's flare by pushing yourself too hard, it's not going to help anything and it's going to make you worse in the long run and it's going to make like it's going to take longer to ever get back to your normal energy levels and exercise and all that kind of stuff and it's super discouraging so like you need to focus on the encouragement part rather so like when you can get through a whole day and not feel like physically fatigued be like who what i did today let me note that rather than just focusing like acknowledge the things that don't go right but just keep focusing on the things that are filling your tank always and just keep putting a little more of that in your life, I think. Mm-hmm. So we've spoken a lot about like how mental health and stress, especially for you, impacts your Hashimoto's and like can lead to flares and stuff like that. So how do you manage your stress levels? So I have a morning practice that I've realized is very crucial for me. I even get up an hour earlier. So like if my day starts at six, I will wake up at five. I'm just that's how precious precious it is for me and in that I will read pull a card um, journal have my coffee meditate like I am privileged enough to find that hour pocket I know if you're a mom or something like that probably doesn't exist yet especially if you're a new mom but for me that's something that I hold very close to me and Mm -hmm. it, it helps me a lot throughout the day I'm just aware of things and try and not do too much of it. So for example, at one point I was reading this form that was, it was educational in the aspect of like, it was showing me maybe not what to do online, but it was also breaking down another person in the same, um, the -hmm. same space. And I actually found that by doing that every day, I was kind of creating this pathway in my brain that was negative mm-hmm. and that was causing a stress response because I think I was thinking imagine if someone was saying this about me mm-hmm. sounds weird to be bringing this up but throughout your day you have these opportunities to do something that's going to make you feel good or bad mm-hmm. in the, the simplest way and identifying the things that kept making me feel bad throughout the day I needed to actually take accountability for that and be like, that is not a good thing to do. So whether that's social media, being around certain people, being in an environment that's Mm -hmm. not good for you, really just paying attention to what makes you feel bad Mm -hmm. and what makes you feel good and not do so much of that because of the impact it has on your mental health and your stress. Seeing a therapist, you do not need to get to a level of sad or stressed or griefed or whatever it might might be that you're experiencing to see someone like for sure it's the probably the most like at peace people are probably seeing a therapist Mm -hmm. once a week Mm -hmm. and that's why they're at peace because they have a toolkit designed for them to get through hard times and you are not exempt no matter how privileged you are from hard times for sure i also think again we live in a world that's that let's say challenges mental health a lot um and i think we all have to be even if you don't have like a mental health condition um you don't have like anxiety or depression or anything like that you definitely have to be aware of your mental health it's just as important if not more important than physical health and the two are so interlinked anyway Mm. um and we're all so aware about physical health and what we eat and how much we exercise and things like that and we just have no awareness of like our mental health space 
and how we're doing from day to day and what impacts us from day to day. So And we're living in a very traumatic time. Yes. Like we're living in a time now where there is a lot of violence, a lot of um, information, some of it good, some of it mm-hmm. misinformed. And there's it's, a global pandemic. There's a global <laughs> pandemic. Like and there's a lot of people who come from a space of trauma so they're constantly being triggered every time i mean i even get people send me dms of like people getting killed and stuff i'm like why are you sending this to me you have no idea what if someone in my mm-hmm. family got killed mm-hmm. now you're triggering me because you think that you're giving me information but essentially what you're doing is you're triggering me yeah and that's just something to be aware of so if you see someone maybe sliding to a dms and you can see the title of it you don't have to read it it's not your responsibility to like hold that yeah. but be very aware that like we are living in a time where there's a there's like you said from the physical self being pushed we're also being pushed mentally online at the yeah. moment and, and social media is just so overwhelming and there's so much about social media that can be so triggering from like a mental health perspective so i mean even just certain like i guess people living like aspirational lifestyles and Mm. things like that can be triggering because it can make you feel like you're inferior or you haven't achieved as much as you should have achieved like you know so I really think who you follow online and what you allow in your online space is also what you're allowing into your mental space you have to be so so protective of that um and I think as people sharing online we should also be so aware of what other people's triggers could be and do trigger warnings you did a really nice post about your pregnancy the other day and I was like you know not many people take that initiative because it is exciting it's so exciting being pregnant and like being able to but like you said there's so many people who aren't in that space who have that option like yeah from so many aspects and you pointed them out and I was like that's so good because no one I don't think I've ever seen anyone actually do that for pregnancy at least and I know for me like not that I ever struggled with fertility but I always wanted to have kids but it wasn't the right time in my life and I had to wait probably like a few years longer than I would have liked just to be in the right space with the right partner with the right financial situation to be able to you know start having kids and even that like it would be triggering for me seeing people that were younger than me but more successful and therefore able to have children when I wanted to Mm. also be doing those things so I am like very aware of like how little things like that can be so triggering or can make you feel envious or jealous and kind of just put your whole day out of whack Um, and obviously talking about weight online can be a big trigger Mm. for so many people talking about calories like I always make sure to put trigger warnings on all those topics nowadays um because I'm more aware of it than ever but I think anyone out there sharing online like don't send people brutal images don't just share like violent images without Mm. knowing there are so many people that have traumatic pasts that that is going to be so triggering for and within the vegan community uh, vegans share a lot of like animal abuse and that can be very triggering for people and I don't think we should share that without trigger warnings yeah or just Um, ask first yeah be like i found this article online i find it informative but there is this x y and z would you be okay with me sending it to you not just here's a link yes which is what i get sent sometimes and then i'm like whoa 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 was not expecting that like i understand it's a reality but like wow 
holler at a girl before you send that. <laughs> Good grief. Um, okay, where are we so, now? We yeah, are we basically have spoken about how you manage stress and I guess like how you just protect your mental space. Which is so fab because it's also a great end to let you guys know that yes, this is the end of this season, but next season I am going to be chatting with another Jess who is a qualified psychiatrist and we're going to be breaking down the mental space side of things as well. So awesome. I feel like this question guided so perfectly into the end of, which I, I don't think is going to be the end. I'm pretty sure we're going to have a lot more to talk about. Like the, the health sphere is a, um, a never ending circle. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's pretty much what I would like to say around Hashimoto's and my journey. I don't know if you have any extra info no i feel like that did come to a bit of a, a halt but i think it's because we were so tied up in social media um yeah. but yeah i mean that's my journey i don't think it's going to end it'll always just be an up and down and a management of but um i'm gonna leave i'm gonna re-listen to those podcasts obviously i'm gonna leave some show notes for jess uh for alexia and if i find anything else that's helped me and yeah we will see you probably well i will see you with jess the psychiatrist um in october probably so before we leave thank you so much for this season i think it's been the most informative one and i think i'm definitely going to go back and listen to it myself when i'm feeling a bit unsure of things and just so grateful yeah really grateful yeah thank you so much experience thanks for having me all right guys we will see you in october have a wonderful time till then Bye.